Amanda, remember that time an Oscar-winning actress quit her job to become a princess? Welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb. And I'm your host, Anna Webb. And this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history. Here we are, doing it again. Um, Apologizing in advance, I think you'll probably hear a little bit of noise from the lawnmower running in my backyard. Uh, (laughs) So just heads up. Sorry about that. We live in apartments, you know, what are you going to do? Sometimes yep. there are things outside of your control. <laughs> yep. I'm hoping I'll be able to get it out in post, but we'll see. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> well, while we um, listen to the sounds of your yard being mowed, would you like a drink update? Yes, I would love that. I'm having a smoothie. Ooh, what's your smoothie? Mm. So I get these little packets. Well, they're not packets. They're like, you know when you get frozen um, fruit? Mm-hmm. So... Some company, I think it's Dole, but I can't remember, not sponsored, makes one of those, like, bags of frozen fruit that also has, like, little squares of frozen, like, juice in it. And they are for making smoothies. So you, like, Excuse me? Put that all in your blender, like, with your favorite juice or whatever and blend it on up. So it's that with some orange juice. And it's got, like, strawberries and pineapple. so bad. Yeah. <laughs> Go to your frozen food aisle. I bet they have it because I get mine Gosh. at the local grocery chain. So I love that. I'm just drinking water. <laughs> yours a is lot so, of yours is so, so much detail about yours my is smoothie. So fun. Well, Normally, I mean, is it? It's just frozen stuff with juice. I find that fun. <laughs> Normally, it's like, oh, you're drinking something different. I'm drinking water, but say you're drinking something fun, and I'm drinking water. Well, I have to be perfectly honest with you, Amanda. I've had this exact smoothie before when we've been recording when I've said I'm having a smoothie. This is usually what I'm having. (laughs) Fair enough. But there you go. Very exciting stuff. (laughs) Thrilling. Wow. It's been... We live thrilling lives here. Well, you know, we're over a year into quarantine at this point, so... Yeah. Here, this is all we got going for us. Other than being vaccinated. Ayo! I'm almost there. I'm halfway there. I'm all the way there. Party. But not really. Well, but more of a party than it was before. Anyway, (laughs) that's not what we're here to talk about. Today, we're going to discuss... Oh, I have one more thing. Okay. I need everyone to know that you and I are wearing the same shirt right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We got on the Zoom call to uh, record the podcast, and I said, "Uh uh-oh, because we were wearing the same sweatshirt. (laughs) feels important to me that you know that that's the energy in the studio today. That, that is the energy. The same shirt by accident. And Amanda's really fascinated with my smoothie. That's yep. the energy that's that we have going. And there's a lawnmower. That's the energy today. <laughs> it's pretty chaotic to start with. <laughs> yes, it is. If I'm being honest. Yes, it is. <laughs> well, let's just get into it then. <laughs> yeah. It's not a particularly chaotic topic, if that helps. That'll balance things a little. I mean, I guess. Uh, Yeah, it's not chaotic. It's interesting, but not chaotic. So we're going to be talking about Princess Grace of Monaco. You may know her as Grace Kelly, the wonderful actress. So let's talk about Grace and her I'm so excited. Fascinating woman. Do you know much about Grace Kelly? Only a little. Okay. 
Well, here we go. Yeah. So Grace Patricia Kelly is born on November 12th of 1929 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, to a wealthy Irish Catholic family. And her family is very interesting. Okay. Okay. So her father is John B. Kelly Sr., who won three Olympic gold medals in sculling, which is rowing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) And he also owns a successful brickwork business. And he, at one point, runs as the Democratic candidate for mayor (laughs) of Philadelphia in 1935. He loses by, like the thinnest margin anyone had ever like won or lost by for that race or something That's like that. That's wild. Yeah. Um and then later in his life he serves um on the Fairmount Park Commission and during World War II he's appointed by President Roosevelt as National Director of Physical Fitness. This is the strangest man I've ever heard of. <laughs> and it's not even about him, this episode. So many things he's done in his life. Yeah. Um. So she comes from, like, a pretty affluent sure. background. Yeah. Um. You know, we don't have royalty here in the States, but she, you know, her family is, like, well known, at least where they live. They're already slightly famous. A little bit, yeah. They're you know. They're notable. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't call them famous necessarily, although I mean I wouldn't call her dad famous. I would call other members of her family famous, okay, including her uncles, John's brothers, right? So her uncles on her dad's side. Um, one of them is Walter C. Kelly, who is a vaudeville star and also made films for MGM and Paramount. And George Kelly, her other uncle, is a Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright, screenwriter, and director. Yeah, his name is more familiar to me. Yeah, George Kelly's a pretty well-known name. Uh Um, Her mother is Margaret Major. I think that's how you say it. She's not as notable. However, she's still interesting. Um, She taught physical education at the University of Pennsylvania. And she was the first woman to coach women's athletics at pen whoa right (laughs) she is just set up for an interesting life right aren't we off to a great start yeah it's so rare that it's this fun to start i know right um after her parents get married her mother focuses more on being a housewife until all of her children are like of school age sure after that she sort of gets involved in like civic organizations So she still does a lot of things in the community. Sure. Um, Grace has two older siblings, Margaret and John Jr. And then she has a younger sibling, Elizabeth. So she, (laughs) the first two got named after their parents and then they had another one and they were like, what do we do now? (laughs) What do we do now? Another one, Elizabeth? Sure. Okay, but you had to know they were going to have more than two. I mean, it's a stereotype, but they are Irish Irish Catholics living in Philadelphia. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it is it is a stereotype, but it's common. So. Yeah. Um, she is raised in a very close-knit Catholic community. She is baptized and receives her elementary education in the parish of St. Bridget's in East Falls. Oh, St. Bridget is my favorite. I love her. <laughs> she's an Irish. She's Irish. I have her cross by my door. I bought one in yeah. Ireland because I wanted one. You should do an episode about St. Bridget. <sighs> She's so interesting. I need a St. Bridget's Cross. Yes. Um, Anyway. uh, Later, she attends Ravenhill Academy, which is a Catholic girls school. And during this time, she 
models at local charity events, usually with her mom and her sisters. Um, And then in 1942, at the age of 12, she gets a lead role in the play Don't Feed the Animals. So she starts acting very young. Oh, community theater. Oh, we love it. Oh, I love it. That's my Linda Belcher impersonation. <laughs> you did it. A really good Linda on accident and then a better Linda on purpose. <laughs> oh, I love it. Don't get me started. Oh my God, I love it. <laughs> and in May of 1947, Grace graduates from Stevens School, which is like a private school in Chestnut Hill, near Chestnut Hill, um, where she studied drama and dance. Sure. Um, And in July of 1947, she is rejected by Bennington College because her math scores are low, Um, (laughs) which many people I can relate. (laughs) I can relate. Um, And she decides she wants to pursue her career as an actress. Sure. And her parents are kind of disappointed. Her dad, like, isn't big into that sort of life. I think he, I saw a quote that said, I didn't put it in my notes, but he called it something like, a step above streetwalker which is like wow (laughs) whoa hold on a second first of all okay there is nothing that sex work is work first of all but Uh secondly like it's an it's being an actor okay it's not the same (laughs) that's a leap there's a little there's some distance between those careers they do also, different types of work. Does he not know what his own brothers do for a living? Maybe that's, that's why he I doesn't like it. That's what I was about to say. They're both in the arts. Like, what are you talking about? Maybe he doesn't. Maybe that's why he doesn't like it. Because he's yeah. seen their experience and he's like, not so much for my children. But too bad. Um, so she auditions for the American Academy of Dramatic Arts in New York. Classic. Using a scene from her uncle George Kelly's um, The Torchbearers. Yes. Okay. Um, the school at this point has already met its admissions quota, um, but through her uncle's connections, she is allowed to attend. Classic. Classic rich people stuff. Yeah. You know? um, so she- Oh, that just made me think of the college admitted sandal documentary oh. watched over Easter <laughs> and how buck wild that was. Yes. Wow. Operation Varsity Blues. You should watch it. Sorry. That- Ooh, that was rough. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, I don't think that he needed to bribe anyone <laughs> no, like no, no, that. No. It just very suddenly made me remember watching that and how mm-hmm, wild mm-hmm. it was. Uh, the difference is that she's actually deserving of her spot because she's, like, talented. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <clears throat> and she's going still. into the thing that she says she's going to go into. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, she doesn't have to fake being good at a sport to get yeah. in. Anyway. So she acts a lot while she's there doing, like, summer you know, programs and that sort of thing. And then in November of 1949, Grace Kelly makes her Broadway debut oh boy. in August Strindberg's The Father. Um, And then she graduates when she's 19 and her graduation performance is as Tracy Lord in The Philadelphia Story. And then throughout the 50s, she appears in lots of television dramas um starting with being cast as bethel meriday in an adaptation of the sinclair lewis novel of the same name mm-hmm. um and that's the first of like 60 roles she does in live tv performances wow 
So she was on television a lot. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so she gets noticed after her performance um, by Henry Hathaway, who is the who is directing um, the film 14 Hours, and he offers her a small role. So she that's her debut in on the big screen. Sure. And after that film comes out, even though she has a pretty small role in it, um, the Grace Kelly fan club is formed. Good for her. And she gets a lot of like local chapters all over I the country. Love that. She referred to her fan club as, quote, terrifically amusing. Fair enough. Which I also love. Um, so we're just going to go through more of her career here. So there are going to be some kind of bullet point things about things that she's been in. Okay. Um, so she, in the early 1950s, so I think she was probably, this probably started probably in 51, 52. She is performing in Elich Gardens, um, and a producer sees her and offers her a co-starring role opposite Gary Cooper in the movie High Noon. So a lot of people probably know her from this. Um, it's a Western set in California. She plays a young um, Quaker who is married to um, a marshal of this town. Uh-huh. And... Um, First of all, her co-star is 28 years older than her, but they're married, <laughs> which was classic. Oh, old Hollywood and also current Hollywood. I know, right? Me. It's oh, not it's that different. Stuff. I mean, it's maybe not 28 years different as frequently now as it once was, but it does still happen quite it's a lot. It still often is 18, which is right, not that much better. <laughs> right. Um, so the film is released in the summer of 1952, and it receives seven Academy Award nominations, and it wins four. Work. So technically, it's her breakout role in that it's her first time as, like, the lead of a film. Uh-huh. But critics didn't really like her performance that much. Um, but to be fair, they just also didn't really like the movie that much. So the whole thing was that... In the end, spoiler alert, if you're going to watch High Noon, which I highly doubt. um, From 1952. Right. The heroine saves the hero. Work. At the end of this movie. Good for her. And critics did not like this. Of course they didn't. (laughs) So there was a lot of negativity around this film. Like, people really didn't like it. And Alfred Hitchcock, like, really hated her performance in it, which is crazy, because we'll talk about all the Hitchcock stuff here in a bit. But she was, like, in a lot of his films. (laughs) But he really didn't like her performance in it. But neither did most people. (laughs) Um, They all thought she was kind of, like, I hate this term, but they all saw her as, like, mousy. You know, oh. like her performance was kind of timid, uh-huh. but like it's her first lead role. Yeah, you know, relax. And also, there's only so much you can do for the way the character is written. Yeah, that too. You know, totally we didn't true. write women super well back then. No, but at least she saved the day. Yeah, and they did not like that. People thought this film was like un-American. 
because he was like the marshal of this town and had to be saved by her. It's so ridiculous. So, so stupid. So ridiculous. I mean, it still won Academy Awards, so it wasn't like everyone, but there were a lot of people like in the film industry who didn't like it. But anyway, after filming High Noon, she, Grace Kelly goes back to New York and starts taking private acting lessons because she's determined to be taken seriously as an actress. And also in 1952, she screen tests, excuse me, for the film Taxi, very famous movie. Um, And... The director, John Ford, noticed her during the screen test and and flies her out to, to L.A. to audition. Um, she is given the role along with a seven-year contract with MGM. So this was common back then that actresses, like old Hollywood stars, wouldn't just... If if they got signed on as like a film star, they would sign with specific studios and just make all their movies for that studio. Well, they would be given roles in their movies. They right. and and the studios, if they wanted to be in other movies, would have to loan them out. Right. So they sign a contract, and she signs one at a pretty low salary of about eight hundred fifty a week. So that was pretty low then. Mm. But I guess it's her first contract, you know, it's not really that surprising. That's but pretty she, common. Yeah. She signs it under two conditions. First, that one out of every two years, she is given time off to work in the theater because she wants to continue stage acting. Uh-huh. And second, that she is still able to live in New York at her residence in Manhattan House because they're based in L.A. Um and it's at 200 East 66th Street, and that is now a landmark. Ah. You know. That's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. That would be. Um, in November of 1952, she's cast in the film Mogambo, which I don't really want to talk too much about that film, because let's be honest, problematic uh-huh. is one way of putting it. Um, it shot in Nairobi. So as you can imagine, it's like a bunch of white people coming into Africa to shoot a movie about a big game hunter, you know? Classic. Oh, my phone just made a noise. So sorry. Forgot to put it on silent. Anyway, um, but she stars with Clark Gable and Ava Gardner in this film. So two pretty big movie stars. Um, it is released in 1953 and has a really successful run. And she wins a Golden Globe for Best Supporting Actress. And this is when she gets her first Academy Award nomination for Best Supporting Actress, though she doesn't win in this year. So then in 1954, she stars in The Country Girl, which is a screen version of uh, Clifford Odette's play. Um, And she is um, cast as... The, quote, dowdy wife of an alcoholic actor who's played by the one and only Bing Crosby. I love Bing Crosby. (laughs) I love Bing Crosby. Yeah. And for this film, she wins an Oscar for Best Actress. Oh, incredible. Um, So she, at this point, um, starts getting noticed by Alfred Hitchcock, famous director. Mm -hmm. Um, after after he hated her first he didn't movie. really like her performance um but he casts her he she gets cast in dial m for murder okay. in 1954 very fam- famous movie um and then she starts working with him more frequently 
Um, she gets loaned by MGM to work on Hitchcock's films because um, they're not produced by MGM. Um, and he kind of becomes um, like a mentor for her career at this point. Uh, she's very much his like ideal leading lady. And it's kind of weird to talk about because Alfred Hitchcock is like, <sighs> I didn't expect to go on a little bit of a Hitchcock. Rant, oh, boy. He's just the way he portrays women is interesting to me like he (laughs) had a phrase for her i can't remember what it was but it was something like sensual like something i don't remember but it's just like it's weird i don't care for that (laughs) i don't don't either (laughs) um but you know it opens up a lot of doors for her career i mean she she is like his go-to for a while um in 1954, she stars in the classic Rear Window opposite the one and only Jimmy Stewart. Ugh. Um, In April 1955, things start to get a little more interesting. Okay. So Grace Kelly heads the U.S. delegation at the Cannes Film Festival. Okay. So while she is there, she's invited to attend a photo session with Prince Rainier III, who is the sovereign of the Principality of Monaco. Ooh. Um, so they want to take her to the Prince's Palace of Monaco, which is a little ways away from Cannes. Um, there are some delays and complications, but eventually she gets there and she meets the prince on May 6th of 1955. And they court for about a year not super interesting i mean it things were very different then Uh like now when a prince dates someone obviously we know everything about it Mm -hmm. i think y'all know what i'm talking about (laughs) but not quite as interesting to people for the prince of monaco in the 1950s right so there's not like a ton of drama or anything that goes into their courtship um but That's that's a nice relief right I'll take for once. it. But after about a year, they decide to get married. Sure. So, okay. There's a Napoleonic Code in Monaco, which I didn't read up too much on because I was really tired when I was taking these notes. And I was like, okay, sure. Um, and basically, so she's Catholic. Right. So they have to have a civil ceremony and a religious ceremony. Okay. So they basically have two ceremonies to be able to be officially married. Just because of whatever the law was there. Right. Okay. Right. So the civil ceremony lasts about 16 minutes. Okay. Fair enough. It's at the Palace Throne Room of Monaco, and it's on April 18th, 1956. And there's a reception later in the day where, like, 3,000 citizens attend. Goodness gracious. Um... As part of the ceremony, they have to recite the 142 official titles that she acquires when she marries him. No, I hate that. Because she gets counterparts to all of his titles. Every single one of his titles she gets a counterpart to, so they have to list them all. It's part of their ceremony. They have to list all of them. Oh my god. That sounds like the worst wedding ever. Can you imagine attending the ceremony? 
Just no. Like, oh my god. I can already <laughs> barely sit, sit through the not at all long wedding ceremonies that I do go to. <laughs> <laughs> They're not even I that bad you. and I can barely make it through. Wait, this isn't even the Catholic ceremony. Oh god. <laughs> they Which still have I to imagine do the Catholic ceremony. Yeah, I imagine it was also long though. I There's bet you the Catholic ceremony was as long as that list of 142 names. <laughs> no offense to Catholics, but we've been to Catholic weddings and they are long. They're my long. Friend. I have no interest in a long wedding like that. Not me either. Um, But anyway, so the day after the civil ceremony, that is when they have the Catholic ceremony. Gotcha. At Monaco's St. Nicholas Cathedral. It's presided over by Bishop Gilesbarth? I'm not positive about that. Um, And the wedding is estimated to have been watched by over 30 million viewers on live television. Wow. Yeah, it's like the first of its kind, really. Like, we all like to think that, like, Elizabeth's coronation or that kind of thing. No, girl, it was this. Like, this was the viewing event. 56, though, that's a a lot of people to be watching on television in 56. She's very famous. Yeah. She's very famous, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, because she's marrying a prince, though, Grace has to retire from acting. Um... Same thing Why? happened to our girl Meghan Markle. That just seems so well, weird. Well, there's like, it is weird. Don't get me wrong. Just it's let them weird. Have a job. But there are like duties and things they have to perform. And like being a princess kind it of is a, is a job. job. Yeah. Especially That's if the, yeah. your husband is the sovereign. Like, it's not like she's marrying someone who. Like a third isn't... brother or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Third son. So. It is a job, and also public perception plays a really large role in it, which yeah. we'll kind of touch on again here in a little bit. Um, so, but anyway, her final role—I just thought this was um, interesting—was in Charles Walter's musical film *High Society*, ah. which is a remake of the 1940 MGM classic *The Philadelphia Story*. Oh, she portrays Tracy Lord. Um, wow. Opposite Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, and Celeste Holm. Wow. Big so that was that the, one. if you'll remember, the performance she did when she graduated from school. Right. Yeah. Wow. I just thought that That's was interesting. Wild. I love that. Yeah. So on January 23rd, 1957, Grace gives birth to her and Rainier's first child, Princess Caroline. Um, on March 14th of 1958, they have a second child, which is which becomes the heir because it's a man, uh-huh. uh, Prince Albert, and then they have a third child, Princess Stephanie, on February first, nineteen sixty-five. So she has oh, three children. God bless her. The first two were, yeah, barely a year apart. I know. Yikes. Um. So she turns to doing a lot of charity work, and this is something she's, like, pretty famous for. Uh-huh. So I want to talk about some of the things that she she did while she was princess. Okay. Um, she becomes a patron of the Red Cross of Monaco and the Rainbow Child- uh, Coalition Children, which is an orphanage run by Josephine Baker. Oh. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. Um. She would also host an annual Christmas celebration with presents and stuff for all the orphaned children in Monaco. Um, she was also president of the Garden Club. Sure. Of Monaco. Good for her. <laughs> and um, the president of the organizing committee of the International Arts Foundation. Wow. 
1963, she forms the World Association of Children's Friends, which is to, quote, support the development, education, and health of children worldwide. And she did this after she saw what Vietnamese children were going through in the 60s. Uh-huh. She was very moved by that. So she wanted to create um, an organization that would help to care for children everywhere. Sure. Um, in 1964, she creates the Princess Grace Foundation, which is to support local artisans in Monaco. Um, in 1965, I found this really interesting. I think you'll find it interesting, too. In 1965, she accepted an invitation to be an honorary member of La Leche League, which was a worldwide mother-to-mother support group that focused on mothering through breastfeeding. Huh. So she was a really big advocate of breastfeeding. She breastfed all of her children, which wow. not super common for no, princesses. Then. Not at all. Um, or maybe even now. I don't know um, what the traditions are now, but that was very important to her. Wow. That's awesome. Um, in 1975, Grace helps to form the Princess Grace Academy, which is the resident school of the Monte Carlo Ballet. Mm. She would host a yearly American week um, in Monaco where the guests would play baseball and eat ice cream. Oh, my gosh. And the palace also annually celebrated American Thanksgiving for That's her. fantastic. Yeah, I, I thought that, that was cool. Um, so in 1962, um, Hitchcock actually offers her another role to come back to acting in his film Marnie. And reportedly, she originally agreed to it, but then she backed out because there was a lot of public sentiment that maybe it wouldn't be a great look for their princess to be playing a kleptomaniac. Um, sure, okay, <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> so, she, and and the prince was, like, not really in favor of it either. He was like, I don't really think that's a good idea. So, ultimately, she, she rejected she it. it yeah. <clears throat> but... She does, after this, start kind of working in the arts a little bit again. She um, starts narrating a couple of documentaries, and she would occasionally give poetry readings. And then in 1976, she joins the board of 20th Century Fox Film Corporation, and she's one of the first female board members. That's super cool. Yeah. Um. In 1980, I just liked this one, this little tidbit, Mm. Princess Grace publishes My Book of Flowers, which details her sense of floral aesthetics, symbolism, and flower pressing. That's very good. (laughs) Very wholesome. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to get to the sad part of this story. I know it's gone pretty quickly. There's a lot to Grace Kelly's career. I mean, you can look into all of her roles and stuff. Um, and, you know, definitely encourage everybody to check out a lot of the um, charitable organizations she was part of. Mm-hmm. But on September 13th of 1982, Grace is driving um, to her home when she has a stroke. Oh. And she loses control of her vehicle. Oh, gosh. And drives, essentially drives off a cliff, um, which is about 120 feet high. 
um, her daughter Stephanie was in the passenger seat with her. And she, Stephanie tried to gain control of the car, but wasn't able to. Oh, man. It's terrible. Um, so Grace is taken to the Monaco Hospital, which coincidentally is later named the Princess Grace Hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has injuries to her brain and thorax and a fractured femur. And she dies the following night at 10.55 p.m. after Prince Rainier decides to take her off life support. Man, um, that is terrible. It's sad. She had been considered brain dead by that point. So right. He... Um, Stephanie, her daughter, sustained a light concussion and a hairline fracture of a cervical vertebra. And she wasn't able to attend her mother's funeral because she was in the hospital recovering. Oh, man. Or maybe she was at home. She was recovering either way. Man. Uh, so it's, man, very abrupt, it feels yeah. like. Yeah. Um, so her funeral is held on September 18th of 1982 at the Cathedral of Our Lady Immaculate in Monaco, Via. Um, she's buried in the Grimaldi family vault, which I believe is the royal family's name. I'm not positive. Um, over 400 people attend the funeral, including Cary Grant, Nancy Reagan, um, the Princess of Wales, Diana, oh and gosh. Empress Farah of Iran. Oh, man. Um, and I, I did, I briefly mentioned, I think, in our Princess Di episode that she really looked Came up to, to Grace Kelly. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was, like, a story of her meeting Princess Grace at yeah. a party and really discussing it with her because... Grace also didn't grow up royal, even though she was a little more primed for life in the spotlight. Um, but she really looked up to to Grace Kelly. Yeah. Um, anyway, her, and her Rainier never remarried, and in two thousand five, when he passed away, he was buried next to her. Mm-hmm. Um, there are I found this on Biography.com some of these points, but there are a lot of like controversies surrounding the crash i mean of course there would be because anytime I mean, she there's drove like a off a cliff accident like that yeah. people start to speculate stuff so some of the like rumors were some people thought that maybe she wasn't really driving like normally she'd have a chauffeur and there was a story that that day she just like insisted you know it's no big deal i'll just drive it's fine um and the chauffeur said okay and she she drove the car Mm -hmm. um some people thought that maybe stephanie had been driving but stephanie says like that's not true Mm -hmm. stephanie was like close to getting her license at this point she was a teenager um but she was not driving the car um there was a rumor that grace and her daughter were arguing before the crash and maybe that like she got distracted or something because at the time Stephanie wanted to marry her boyfriend, who was the son of a French film actor, and he was a racing car driver, and apparently she didn't want her to get married because she was just a teenager. Mm -hmm. But Stephanie said to The Guardian in 2002, quote, uh, that, quote, the discussion is strictly between the two of us. Certain secrets, certain images, certain things about that story that belong to my heart. So she's not really saying that they weren't fighting, but, you know, she's not going to discuss it. Right. And that she has every right to do. Totally. And that it really didn't contribute to the fact that she wrecked in this Uh way. Um, Some people thought that the 
the brakes failed and maybe that's what happened because there were no skid marks on the road indicating that it was like accelerating or at least not braking when it went off the cliff um and a witness that was driving behind the car said it did they didn't see the brake lights come on um and the car was found in park but Stephanie said that she actually was the one to do that because she was trying to figure out how to stop the car. And she was, like, about to take her driving test. And she knew you have to put a car in park to stop it. And she tried to, like, pull the handbrake. Um, but, you know, maybe her mom confused the brake with the accelerator because she was having a stroke. Like, who knows? Um, but engineers from the manufacturer of the car investigated and they didn't find any malfunctions. So, huh. Um, and then there were some reports that like, cause people were confused about why she had a stroke cause she seemed to be in good health, but there were some reports that she might've been suffering from high blood pressure in the weeks prior to her accident, but those were later denied. And then there were some rumors about like, why didn't they, re- like, really tell people the severity of her injuries at first? Because there were other members of, like, the palace and stuff that they they didn't tell them to come home. They basically told them, no, you can continue your vacations and stuff. So, like, were they trying to hide the fact that she was so badly injured? And if so, why? But, I mean, I just think that's pretty normal for a royal family to not want to give out all that information yeah. Because you never know who's going to, like, leak it to the press. and Right. You don't want everybody in that particular kind of, you know, in their business mm-hmm. when something like that's happening. But that is Grace Kelly. It's a very sad ending to an otherwise pretty beautiful story. Yeah. That was a nice one. She, yeah, had, a, she had a nice life. I didn't feel did. at all depressed about the things that she went through. Until the end. Right. <laughs> when it's very Like, depressing. her death was very tragic, but at least she lived a nice life. Yeah, at least that we know of. I mean, yeah, she had a good family. She I worked. didn't read too deep into her, like, relationship with the prince, like, uh-huh. what the dynamics were like, but mostly just because I didn't find a ton of information on it, really. But, um, you know, the most we really know was that he didn't really want her to go back to acting, which isn't really surprising. No. You know, so, yeah, I, I just think... It's really sad. She, she's so beautiful. Yeah, it is and really sad. Talented. That's sad, but you know, any she kind did of a lot of good like things. Is so difficult. Yeah, but she did so much good in Monaco mm-hmm. before she died. She but. made a good princess. Mm-hmm. She really did. I mean, that's the whole struggle of all of those movies, isn't it? Just this normal person <laughs> trying to figure out how to be a great princess. She's just Vanessa Hudgens. She doesn't know anything about she being a princess. She doesn't know about being a princess. <laughs> what do you even do about that? Oh, <laughs> uh, man. And, you know, while she and Princess Di both did die in car accidents, um, her plight and her treatment was just so different from Diana's. Yeah. It's just so interesting to see, like... And and you'd think that, I know, I mean, I know they're different royal families, but you would think that someone with the notoriety of Grace Kelly would have gone through something more like what Princess Diana went through. But I think she just found herself in a better situation. With in general. The, <laughs> with the business of being royal. Yeah. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Man, how different things would have been if those two had lived. Mm-hmm. I just think about that sometimes. Yeah. Oh, and this topic, sorry, before I forget, this topic was suggested by someone. I forgot to jot it down in my notes. Let me find it again. I did plan on doing this anyway, but the suggestion came through and I was like, oh, yeah, I should put that on my list. So it was suggested by if I can get this to load. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Sorry. Fine. Google Sheets is being slow. Okay. Cut this bit. This was suggested by Cassie. Cassie on Instagram. Um, oh, so, that's right. I remember yes. that now. Cassie, yes. So thank you, Cassie, for suggesting that topic. I was like, I know I know it, but I couldn't remember off the top of my head. Yes. So. Anyway. I liked it. Thanks. I. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm tired. I'm so tired. I'm also very tired. <laughs> well, folks, that's all I got for this time around. Um, if any of you have questions or topic suggestions, we love to get them. Uh-huh. You can find us. Um, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at rttpod. Um, and if you want to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast, that would be awesome. Yes. And if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the real Anna Webb. And I'm at ACW Nerdfighter. Nailed it. No earthly idea what we're doing next time. Yeah, that's a, a long clue. ways away at this it point. Is my a brain my brain is so tired. I cannot think past the next like 20 minutes, frankly. Say. <laughs> I'm so, in a similar position. So who knows what we will discuss next time, but until that next time, remember that time.